Welcome to episode 11 of Order of Operations. I'm Nikki, and I'm joined by the one and only Libby. Ooh, it has a nice ring to it, one and only. Hey, y'all! Even though we're coming off of a holiday weekend, the hustle don't stop. On July 2nd, we were officially halfway through 2020, so it is time for some new resolutions. This episode is all about goals. We want, and we want you, to be ready for the second half of the year. We'll go through types of goals, so short-term, long-term, smart goals, personal, professional, and how to set time frames and difficulty levels. And then we'll share some of our own goals and experiences. Let's start out with some celebrations. Libby, tell me something good. This week, I'm really trying hard in the Dallas-Fort Worth market to come up with what our next big sweeping regional marketing effort's gonna be. Right now, we're a lot more financially conscious about how we're spending our funds and our marketing dollars. So we're gonna try and do something a lot more grassroots. And so we're planning a Stuff the Bus campaign. I've done Stuff the Bus in both San Diego and Phoenix, but I typically partner with a major news media outlet. So that way we can have like this distribution of content and try and pull resources from the community. But since Dallas is a little bit different, it's a big five market and it's way more expensive to do something like that. It would cost us close to 100K if we were gonna do a Stuff the Bus campaign in Dallas. We are doing it grassroots style. So what I did is I made an Amazon shopping list and I've been collaborating with the different franchisees in that market. And we're gonna do the very first Math Museum Stuff the Bus in Dallas. What about you, Nikki? What are some wins you've had recently? Nice. Uh, My win is a little interesting. It was that I personally didn't complete any tasks this week. So I delegated so much and so much more got done and it just feels so much better. So it was very much enabling and empowering everyone else to get things done. So I had a ton of meetings and a ton of just check-in and updates and what do you need and like what roadblocks can I remove for you and so I personally didn't do anything which sounds really weird to say but I enabled a lot more people to get a lot more done and that just feels great that's so huge for you good job (laughs) yeah so this is a big one To start our conversation about goals, I want to hear from you, Libby. Would you call yourself goal-oriented? I think I definitely am. I'm super results-driven, but I think with me, even though I'm goal-oriented, I have to scale it back a lot because since I work with a rather large team, I'm you work with way more people than I do, um, but I work with 125 employees, so it's not enough for me to be goal-oriented oriented it's kind of like a vision that has to be shared by everyone so even though i'm goal oriented i can set a million one goals i can make them completely within reason at the end of the day i have to have a team of 125 people align themselves with my goals so you might necessarily see that i'm goal oriented off of like some off of how fast my organization moves but me as an individual i have lots of like big picture ideas I have like an average commute of like 30 to 45 minutes to any of my locations. And I swear I can't get through a single drive without having like some big picture idea that I'm like calling Karen up and saying like, let's do this. Like we can work immediately. Like the second I get to the location, I can start like typing up a plan. 
And then Karen reeling me in and reminding me that while it might be a goal for me, there's like different levels of urgency within our organization. And so a lot of my big picture ideas get tabled, put on the back burner, if you will. What about you, Nikki? I know you're goal oriented, but how, in, in what different capacities are you goal oriented within the Temple team? I am phenomenally goal oriented, um, personal and professional life. Like I have a bunch of personal goals. And so one big one, and I've like turned it into like a mantra that I like legit say to myself all the time and like say it whenever I'm like trying to work any big decision. So that way I can stay focused on my goal. And it's boiled down to passive income through real estate. And like any decision I'm making, I say to myself, like passive income through real estate. And if it doesn't align with that, I don't do it. And so everything is like focused phenomenally so on that personal goal. And then of course that translates to my professional life and the temple team is very goal oriented. Uh, one thing I was very, very proud of for 2020 was a whole strategic plan for the whole year. And it like, wasn't just numbers. It was like educational improvements and like HR and employee satisfaction improvements and like diving in and seeing if we like really needed to do these processes or like, what's a better way to do the process. And it was like all on this master spreadsheet it was planned out for like Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. And it, I actually recommend it for you, Libby, because I feel like it would be like a perfect home for all your big ideas. So they don't get tabled and lost forever. I love it. Uh, it needs to be reworked because Q2 was not what was planned. So there is a whole like strategic objective, strategic plan, and then like specific financial goals for the team. So yes, I am goal oriented. I'm laughing because you reemphasize the fact that they're not necessarily just like strictly financial targets. I remember you, we're about like a year out from when we did this last year. Last year, you and I both had company retreats. And I know one of, one of the exercises my entire management team participated in was the giant sticky notes across the wall where it's just like different topics that it's like, what's on your heart with regards to children education, parent communication, like building your bench, all of these different things. And all of our teams just had markers and they just were going around and they would kind of like mix and mingle, have a snack. As it would come to them, they'd write it on the board. And we just had a wall of sticky notes with everyone's like big picture ideas. And I had posted it on LinkedIn and I remember James commented that he had like zoomed in on each of our sticky notes to see what we were talking about. And he's like, that's so funny because you guys had done the same exact exercise at the temple retreat. Yeah, it was very similar. Ours was a little more like round table, like what are the biggest challenges? Like it was kind of like a SWOT analysis. And so it, it aligned really closely. And it is, I do feel the same pain that you feel that like moving a large organization, like we're, we're a big ship to turn. We don't turn quickly. And I think that's a good thing because it really makes us think through like what changes and like what updates need to happen. And like with the amount of people that will be impacted, like, is this the right move right now? Exactly. You and I are both super agile people in our thinking. Like you, like you and I talk on the phone a lot and we'll text each other whenever we have like these big ideas. And it really just depends on like how hot is the topic for everyone else. Because while you and I are agile and you and I can like 
jump on a moment's notice and build out a whole strategic plan for a new goal of ours. At the end of the day, business is kind of like politics where there's an intentional infrastructure to your business. So that way you're not just like chasing these wild explorative ideas and like losing sight of like what is the core business and whether or not like good ideas are super important for change to happen in a company. Yeah. And getting to the core of goals, I think there's a really foundational goal setting method that a lot of people don't know. And so I do want to spend some time talking about SMART goals. I was trying to remember when I learned it, and I think it might have been in high school, but I have no idea what class would have taught it to me. But I'm always surprised how many people don't know SMART goals, and we use them regularly. And I'm always pushing back if someone sets a goal or like presents me an action plan, and it's not SMART. I know for me, I learned it in my communications class, and I... I didn't really worry about it whenever I was taking it as communications, as a communications student in high school, but my business coach, Mike Garcy, he is super, super, super stern on his organization, um, taking their SMART goals seriously. I know his team, their version of clocking in at work is that they all have like an assigned sticky note color. Like they have like all kinds of different neon sticky notes and everyone on the team has their own assigned sticky note color. And their check-in responsibility is to write out their SMART goals. Um, And they do it as like a New Year's resolution, like vision board, like goal setting exercise. And then every single day for the remainder of the year, they have to write out what their SMART goals are on a sticky note and then put it up on the wall. And a lot of them are really good. He employs people that are like around you and my age. They're like in their 20s. And so it's stuff like, oh, like accrue $10,000 in savings in the bank oh, pay off like 25% of my like student debt payment, that kind of thing. So that's always really interesting to me. Um, So you said a lot of people don't know what a SMART goal is. Uh, I agree. I know what a SMART goal is, but I always forget what it stands for. So I had to look it up before we recorded. But um, SMART goal, it is an acronym that stands for the criteria that you should keep in mind to guide your decisions when you are writing a manageable goal. So S stands for specific. You need to have a really specific goal, like a KPI in mind and not something that's super vague. Like, I just want my business to be successful. Like, that's great, but you need to make it more specific than just wanting success. Like, what does success look like for you? M is measurable. So you need to know what metrics you're going to look at in order to really have a scorecard of whether or not you're achieving success in your goal. A is achievable. So the goal needs to be realistic. It'd be really demoralizing if I gave my center directors a goal of having like $5 million a year in revenue or cutting payroll in half. Like that's the right direction, but that's completely unachievable. And it would just like crush morale if you were to set something that's so like unattainable. R is for relevant. So your goal should make sense for the position that you're in in your company. And then T is time bound. This is the one that I always forget and that Mike always has to bring me back to is what is a realistic time frame for me to achieve my goal by? So, okay, you want your teams to hit target 83. How far into the future do you need to be able to realistically hit, it, hit that goal? You want it to be something that pushes you and motivates you. You don't want to give yourself 20 years to hit a goal, but you don't want to just say like, oh, it will happen one day. You want to give yourself like a realistic like tracker as to how long it will take you to hit those goals. Olivia, what types of goals do you have and how did you come up with them? So I used to be super HR focused 
and marketing focused. And I've kind of reoriented because now I have my brother and my brother does HR for our company. And then marketing, I feel like I've really hit my groove with marketing. So my goals lately seem to revolve around our profit and loss sheets or our P&L. So stuff like um, how to lower the percentage of revenue that's dedicated to our instructional staff's wages, how to increase our profitability by either raising prices or making sure that we're charging pretty regularly for our assessment and registration because that's like the first thing my center directors wave if we're going to give someone a discount. Um, making sure that we don't have like crazy stupid discretionary spending. So if we're going to have discretionary spending on stuff like team lunches, is there like real benefit to what we're doing. So lots of my goals seem to revolve around a PL. What about you, Nikki? What do you, what kind of goals do you set for Team Temple? For the team, the main goals are revenue-based. So we have a lot of KPIs that we do watch. And so I've talked some about lead, leading and lagging indicators. And so those KPIs are like the health of your center and the like happiness of your customers and really like how well you're achieving the Mathnasium mission. And so those all funnel into the like one revenue goal. And revenue sometimes doesn't resonate with everyone as like a big goal and a big way to measure and see if you've achieved success. But it's a really good scorecard to see how well are you doing. Like if you have a great MPS score, but you have a great MPS score because you're like letting a bunch of people come for free, that's not like a sustainable or and therefore not successful way of running the organization. Having the financial goals creates a measuring stick in order to measure success. So it is the meritocracy that we make decisions off of and we say, yes, you're doing a good job or no, you're not doing a good job. And it's based on the goals. A lot of people are so caught up in the whole money can't buy you happiness thing that they forget that that is for people. I know when people say stuff like, where do you see yourself in five years? It is so cliche, but having a multi-year goal is super important. I know for me, a lot of the times I take a really big picture goal that might take a couple years for us to achieve, and then I scale it down into like more achievable chunks over the course of time. So stuff like, I want to have a multi-state operation, I want to have 20 plus locations, that kind of thing. I scale down that idea into more sustainable chunks over time. So right now we're in three states, and so I'll just focus on one market at a time, like, okay, I hope to have five mathnasium locations in Arizona in the course of three years, that kind of thing. So Nikki, what do you do to scale up and scale down goals into like more long-term plans? So this multi-year plan, I honestly weren't, I honestly wasn't really thinking about it until Libby, you and I watched that webinar that was like literally all about like having a success plan and making goals. And then I realized that I needed to scale up how I was looking at the goals and like looking at it like a multi-year plan for the organization. Cause I feel like we do a really good job of taking a, a yearly plan, breaking out into months. And then a lot of the conversations are even about like, okay, what's your weekly goal? Like what's your action plan? And so going to small scalable achievable bites we do seamlessly, 
but going bigger and seeing like, okay, I want to be able to serve 5,000 kids a month. What do we need to do to get there? Like, I want to be able to like help 10,000 families in a year. What do we need to do to get there? And being able to figure that out and go then to the larger scale of time, I honestly have not spent a lot of time on. And so that's something that I will be doing at the end of this year. And then, so starting with a multi-year plan and then scaling that into the 2021 plan. Something I always struggle with is the level of difficulty to set for the goal. We used to do min, like minimum goals and stretch goals, but I really didn't like that. It just, it felt weird to call them that. And so we switched and started doing like one specific goal and it was what percentage you are to that goal. And so it's just tricky. I feel like goals should be hard to achieve because I really believe in pushing yourself. So like we have a goal set for every center and the expectation is that every center is always at a hundred percent of that goal. So that's like a minimum, like you, you need to be there. You do, you're doing a really bad job. And then we have another tier of the goal and that's the one that I, I personally am pushing for. And therefore I expect everybody else to push for too. And cause that's just how I am. But how difficult do you set your goals, Libby? So I have two stories that I think really kind of tie in with this. So uh, I'll tell them. One was, there's this man who was doing a breakout session at a convention, and he was talking about sales and sales conversions and what his conversion percentage was. And he said to everyone that he achieves like an 80% close rate. And he encouraged his audience to hit that 80% close rate. And so there was a person who had listened to his talk took really good notes on how he achieved such a high close percentage. And then just over the course of three years, like slowly moved her close rate up from 50 to 60 to 70 to 75, but she couldn't break 80. And so three years later, she sees the same man at a convention and says, oh my gosh, I'm like sitting at 75%. How do you hit 80%? Like, how do you get to that close rate? And he said, oh, you thought I said 80? I said 18. And so... But since she thought that that was an achievable thing to hit, she was constantly pushing herself and constantly bettering herself to try and get up to 80%. And she ended up blowing him out of the water. Um, my second story, which is along the same lines, and Nikki and I were just talking about this, is the uh, four-minute mile. So people didn't realize that you can run a mile in four minutes until someone did it. And now the new record time for, for uh, how fast you can run a mile is three minutes and 43 seconds. So basically what I'm gearing up to say is that I set incredibly difficult goals and there's a lot of red on my goal spreadsheets because people aren't hitting them, but I intentionally set them really, 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 really difficultly, but I don't tell my team that I think of them as difficult. Like unless someone is super down on themselves and I've completely like burnt them out by having them see that like they're not hitting their targets. I set really harsh goals because I want them to rise to the challenge if I don't position the goal as like, hey, I intentionally made this like damn near unachievable, like good luck to you. If I set it as like, oh yeah, like 
this is what people are doing. This is pretty much national standard. This is pretty much your regional standard. Like I worked on these goals with our franchise business consultant and they thought that this would be a good goal for your location. Then people do rise to the challenge because there's also a lot of greens on the spreadsheet. Like I didn't know that certain things were possible. We didn't know that it was possible to have a mathnasium break $100,000 in revenue until our friend Ronnie did it in Vegas. I think people will rise to the challenge. Um, I just think it's important that if you're going to set a really difficult goal, one, you're not an ass about it. And like, you're not like punishing people for not hitting those goals, but you also shouldn't on the flip side, be telling them that the goal is unachievable because then like, where's the motivation to rise to that challenge? I was going to say, that's the sweet spot. That's the hard, the like hard bit to find a challenging, but still motivating goal. And I, I push, I, I mean, I push people because there's a lot that is achievable and like I walk the walk. So I know what you can do and I have broken records and I have set goals. And so I know what's possible and therefore I have high expectations and there are a lot of people that look at it and say, oh, well, I can't do that because of like X, Y, Z of these like external factors. And one thing that we say a lot in Team Temple is, are you someone that makes things happen or are you someone that has things happen to them? And that is the biggest thing. I work really hard to set goals that are a challenge, but achievable for those that are all about making things happen. So Libby, do you think goals are essential to being successful? Do you have to have a goal in order to be a successful person? I don't think you have to have a goal, but I think you have to have a certain mindset. Like I think you need to be someone who is constantly seeking out their personal and their professional growth. I think the growth is more important than having an actual concrete goal. But I also think you can achieve that growth faster if you're setting yourself smart goals. Because I know me, like, I have, like, in, a, in my personal life, my goal is to get back to, um, to like, what my college weight was. Because I've certainly picked up some pounds in the past three years. And so I have a goal of losing weight. But whenever that's just, like, a growth, like, a personal growth opportunity for me, I don't work very hard at it. This is a conversation you and I have had this week, is that I had to do my day one workout. Um, but whenever I have like an actual concrete goal, like I'm about to go on a vacation and I want to hit like a certain target weight in time for that vacation. So that way I look really good in my swimsuit. Um, that's the difference between having a growth mindset and then having an actual goal in place is that I'm going to hit that faster because it's going to be more front of mind. So I don't think you need it to be successful, but if you want to be successful fast or faster, or have it more top of mind and something that you're going to more readily achieve, you need to actually write it out as a goal. What about you, Nikki? I, I feel like you're my goal girl. So I feel like you 100% think this is a need. Yes. I don't know how those people that just like make it by flying by the seat of their pants do because that just gives me so much anxiety, even thinking about it. Like, I was a bridesmaid in a wedding a week ago and this was like a backyard wedding. We did not have a plan. I did not know what to do. I didn't know when I was supposed to walk out and it was 
in front of like 20 people and I like couldn't handle it. I like sat with another bridesmaid and I'm like, this is the plan and this is how we're going to walk out and this is the spacing and this is what we're going to do. And everyone at that wedding, didn't matter what the question was, if they asked a question, they're just like, oh, go ask Nikki. <laughs> I didn't Nikki, know. Nikki was ready. <laughs> I just started telling people, I was like, I don't know the answer, but do you want me to decide? Awesome. And so, yes, I'm, I feel like they are essential to being successful for a more like professional version of that story. I feel like when I first finished college and like walked across the graduation stage, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And therefore I was like doing everything. We talked a little bit in our first episode about like how I had way too many jobs, but on top of that, I was also like devouring like any type of learning that I could get my hands on. Some of them were like chemistry articles. Some of it was like science education, like how to write curriculum. Some of it was like business and like how to do sales. And like, I was all over the place. And like, I don't really remember like anything I learned at that time. So I feel like being focused helps you be successful and also a much more sustainable way where you're not just going to exhaust yourself. Running with that idea and like how to like maintain your own like personal satisfaction, avoid burnout, have like more quality to your life. This is something that Evan and I, Evan's my brother. If you're not familiar with the Lawson team, Evan is my brother. We're like 15 months apart, super close. He and I, we both work for Mathnasium. He runs our Texas division. I run our Phoenix division. We were talking because since COVID hit, the workload outscales like my my team, like my payroll. And so Evan and I have just delegated everything to our employees because that's the direction Karen wanted to take it is to let our teams maintain their job satisfaction, feel like they have a fulfilling career. And therefore Evan and I have literally nothing. And we don't really feel like there's an opportunity for us to goal set right now because there's not, there's just so much that's up in the air that we feel like it would kind of be fruitless for us to set like really big goals and have these expectations for what the rest of 2020 looks like for our company if like everything can be completely different in a week. So I think a lot of people's personal satisfactions and like what they enjoy in their work life and in their personal life comes from having a goal or something that they desire and then getting to work towards those desires. Um, so I think it, I think it, affects your happiness a lot. Cause I know Evan and I were talking our last like six weeks, like all of June and then some of May, Evan and I have been miserable in work because there's just nothing going on and we don't have anything that we're like, Oh yeah. Well, at least in like three months, we're going to have a brand new location or we're going to sign like a buy sell agreement and all these things. Like so much of like people's happiness, I think is tied up in, getting to achieve or make make steps in the right direction towards certain milestones. There was one book I read and it was High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard. And he tells a story about how he goes on after a speaker. And the speaker was talking about how you should never be satisfied in order to like be successful. Like you should never be happy with what you've done. And Brendan goes in and talks about like his opening line was like, be satisfied. And so there's these two very different ways of looking at goals and success. 
And I feel like I'm more in the like, never be satisfied. Like, I think you should recognize and appreciate what you've accomplished. But if you haven't gotten to where you want to be, then you shouldn't sit back. You can be grateful for yourself of what you've done, but being satisfied it should not be on the table yet. I'm glad you're bringing this up. We were talking earlier. Um, we we're talking earlier on the recorded part of this podcast. Just so you guys know, sometimes Nikki and I pause. And so I might reference like, oh, you were talking about this earlier. And I may or may not cut it out in the final postscript. So if, you're, if you hear me say like, oh, Nikki mentioned this earlier and you're like, what? She did? Um, it's not that you weren't listening well enough. It's that I might have cut it out. But when we were talking earlier, you had said something and I was like, oh gosh, this would be like a really important time for me to like interject and like cut off Libby and Nikki because me and Nikki are intense individuals. Like we, we want the world and we will fight to have like everything that our companies desire. And she and I, we really don't burn out on that. Like we are giving 120% all the time. It's very exhausting to be around, but <laughs> Nikki's laughing. Um, but with that in mind, there was something that Nikki was saying earlier where I was like, oh, I should probably interject and like put in that like while we set really high goals and we're constantly pushing our teams, I think the biggest mistake I make as people's supervisors is forgetting, I forget to celebrate the like milestone and the benchmark wins. I am the worst at celebrating benchmark wins because I am so busy thinking like, we're not at target 83. So like, I don't care that you made 50 K this month. Like you're not at 83 K and therefore my goal isn't achieved. And so Karen has to balance me out constantly because I'll just like call her. I'm like, gosh, what are we going to do to get there? Like we have 33,000 33, more a month that we need to hit. And Karen's like, pause, you're at 50 K right now. That's like gold revenue status. Like sit there and clap for your teammate really quick. Because if they're hitting these targets and you're not celebrating their benchmark wins, then you're going to burn them out. I feel like this is really interesting because sometimes people are searching for a celebration and instead of being like disheartened or like burnt out that someone's not celebrating what they did, I think they need to look at and see like, is it really worth celebrating? One thing I really can't stand doing is like celebrating mediocrity and like you checking a box on your job description. Like I Yes. Would... Yes, it's the job description thing. Sorry, was that too loud in your ear? No, you're good. We're just okay. commiserating. <laughs> no, it's it's like my team wanting like a bonus for like having a certain conversion percentage. I'm like if your conversion percentage is 100, I still don't want to celebrate it because it's your job to sell. <laughs> It's your job to close the leads. You, every time you don't close a lead, I wasted like $50 in like advertising and payroll and like lead follow-up for you to still not close them. Like, you're right. Even gosh, like basic stuff of like, oh, like I worked this many hours this week. I'm like, okay, what results did you produce? It's definitely a balance. And like, there's some people that like, we talked, or you have brought up workplace love languages in the in leadership. It was episode two. Yeah. It was yes. the fundamentals of new leaders. Yeah. And so there are some people that like need to be quickly recognized when they do a good job. And I totally understand that. Like I understand how much effort and like brain power 
and like how much you put into like producing this result, that's something that I will celebrate. Or like if you have like a personal goal or like there's something that like you have trouble with, like difficult conversations, like, and you got through a difficult conversation and you did a really great job. Yes, I will recognize that because it's something that you had personally been working on and you produced a result of a productive conversation from it. And that will be celebrated. But there's a, a conversation we've been having a lot with the team. And this made me think of um, this. It was brought to mind by something you were saying earlier, Libby, and it's um, motion versus action. And it's like motion is like planning on doing something. So it's like sketching out ideas for like 10 different articles or like sketching out ideas for like 15 different social media posts. And then the action is getting the post scheduled. And I just remembered where it was. It was when you were talking about the timely goals. Putting a time on your motion turns it into action. And we have talked about that like left and right and up and down. And that is where we are right now. So don't get stuck in the motion phase. So anywho, that was mid-year resolutions and, you know, smart goal setting. And then, you know, really what it turned into was a rant of all the things that Nikki and Libby just have on their heart this week. <laughs> so we had a problem of the week. It wasn't really like submitted as a problem of the week, but it was an email that Nikki and I got. And so there were a couple of questions that were in the email and we'll just break them down one by one. So Nikki, question one was, what outside sources do you use to help achieve your goals? I think this goes back to something I've probably said multiple times. I recognize when I don't know how to do something and I immediately start seeking out the answer or what I've started to do now is seek out a subject matter expert. So an outside source would have to be I mean, the copious amounts of like books and articles and webinars and anything that I'm sharing on my personal LinkedIn, if you guys want to see what I'm up to. So the other half of the question is, do you use a business coach? Are you a member of any professional organization? So what about you, Libby? I do have a business coach. I've brought him up a couple of times. His name's Mike Arce. So Mike was originally someone that we hired to help me with the fitness industry but at the end of the day, like business is business and there are just general best business practices. And then he is someone who is just constantly pursuing greatness. And so being around that and being around that mentality is really healthy for me because I will just like shoot for the stars and he is the same way. So he keeps me really motivated. So I work with Mike as far as any professional organizations that help me achieve my goals. I believe in the theory of concentric circles. So what that is, is that like, it's kind of like the birds of a feather flock together kind of thing, where you want to be in similar social and professional circles as the people you aspire to be like. And so for me, I have been doing that through reading the Harvard Business Review, uh, Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, and then I'm taking postgraduate classes um, on Harvard Business Online. I'm currently getting a certificate in school management and leadership. So the Harvard Business School Online and the Harvard Graduate School of Education have a joint program that I'm participating in. And I start my third string of courses on the 22nd of July. So I use that to help me better myself and achieve 
educational goals for the Mathnesium organization because I don't have direct school experience. I'm not a retired teacher. Karen is. Karen's a retired teacher and school administrator. I don't have that experience. And so this is my way of kind of getting it vicariously through like group learning in my online seminar. What about you, Nikki? Do you have a business coach? I feel like James and Joanne provide business coaching to you, but do you have anyone in addition to that, like Jim or Ben? And are you, are you a member of any professional organizations in addition to Mathnasium? So I don't have a formal business coach. I have definitely looked into it. So like I have explored some options for some different executive coaching. I don't know why I haven't like pulled the trigger and just done it though. Um, but yes, so no, James and Joanne are a huge help. Ben and Jim are a huge help. This is part of like me recognizing what I don't know. And so I ask questions of them a lot. And I am a member of a professional organization. There's a couple different ones. There's a local Richmond one that I really enjoy. And it's like kind of business, kind of wellness, kind of community, just kind of all over the place. Um, it's called Rebel. So R-E-B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. And then there is one that I'm a part of as well that's um, Renaissance Executive Forum. And that's fun. I've done it for a couple years. I've done a couple different groups. And so the first group I joined was a group of people that had recently been promoted above their peers. And so like that was just such a specific just niche thing that I was like, I'm not gonna be able to find anybody else that is going through this. And so, yes, I need to sit in this room and talk to people. And then right now the group is focused on sales leaders, which is great for me, but also really intimidating because there's a lot of words that they're using and I literally write them down and Google them after the meeting. So there's just like a whole language that I'm like, oh my God, I'm leading a sales focused organization and there's so much verbiage that I need to just figure out. But it's been super helpful. We've I've learned a bunch of like initiatives and different ways of approaching things already. And we've done like a meeting and a half. I'm excited for you. That was really cute. Um, I think one thing that Nikki and I can both like just toss in as like one final wrap up comment on this particular question is that we are a franchise and there is a lot of wisdom within our franchise. And so Nikki talked about looking to subject matter experts and that's like why we bring certain people on the podcast is because Nikki and I know them to be subject matter experts. If it's one thing that I can emphasize to you is asking your FBCs who you consider a subject matter expert at certain goals of yours. I'll have to go to my FBC a lot and ask like, who do you know who does this well, who I can pick their brain and have a good idea. If you're on the WOVA app right now, you can see that I've tossed in a couple different topics looking for subject matter experts on some completely random things that I'm just like, please teach me. Let me pick your brain. I want to get better at these things. So if you're in the world of the app, befriend me. But yes, being a part of a franchise that's like a huge benefit to us is that there are different experts to help us achieve our goals. So let's give credit for this question. So this is from Matt Diamond, who has been a huge fan. He is always chatting with us and sending emails and just has been a huge supporter. So major thank you, Matt. Thank you, and then congratulations, because I just saw on Instagram that your daughter is now a Mathnasium instructor. One last thing that I want to wrap us up on, Nikki, is if you have a personal or professional goal that you would like to share. Want to do one of each? So my personal goal, 
I talked about that one already. Passive income through real estate. I have never heard you talk about that. So what are you, are you investing in real estate? Um, I read a book a while ago. I read it twice. I like right after it, I had finished it. Cause I loved it so much. It's called rich dad, poor dad. And the biggest, oh, yeah. Thing, yeah, it's good. Um, the title's explained in the first chapter and I could not do it justice. So just read it. So one of the big things that he talks about there is to just always be like primed and ready for the right opportunity. And so I feel like that's kind of like where I am now. Um, so I own my house and my husband and I bought it mm, five years ago at this point. We signed a mortgage before we got married. So we knew we were locked together anyway <laughs> and um, bought it knowing it was going to be a rental. So like we did not buy a home. Like we bought a like good place for us to live a couple years. Uh, we have had roommates rent the extra rooms. We are an Airbnb right now, which is one of the extra rooms. Just got my super host status, so I'm super pumped. And so now we're just kind of looking for what's next to turn this into like a full-time rental. Um, the mortgage market right now is awesome. So this feels like the right opportunity. The housing market is super weird. There's a lot of stuff going above asking price. So it's just kind of like a, okay, let's refinance and then let's see what the next option is. So all about the being ready for that next opportunity. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. I'm just so excited to hear these things come out of people. <laughs> Love it. Awesome idea. My personal goal is to be softer. Oh, that's not what I was expecting you to say. I thought you were going to talk about Peloton. No, I mean, you guys, I do need to work out. I, I own a gym franchise. There's zero excuse for me being what I consider overweight. I'm not that overweight, but I consider myself overweight considering I used to be like 112 pounds and I certainly am not anymore. My personal goal, I talked about it this week with my mom, is that I want to be softer. My professional life really impacts my personal life. I, I shit you not. So I've spent the last three years, I was 21 when I started working for Mathnasium. And being a 21-year-old girl who feels like they have something to prove to the universe, I worked like crazy hours, all about the business, and I'm very harsh on myself. And I kind of act like a man because I feel like that that's my way of like getting people to respect me like I am like a very stern dude in the workplace but it certainly has rolled over to my personal life and so now three years in I don't have to prove myself anymore I feel like I've made a name for myself in my own rights and people don't really question my legitimacy in my family's franchise and so my personal goal is to soften a bit and like go back to how I was a couple years ago because now I'm kind of just borderline a bitch. I feel like we could do a whole episode of like alpha female leadership, societal expectations. This is about to be like rant number two and I'm like trying to control myself from all the things you said. <laughs> We can just talk about professional goals. We can save the alpha female comment for another day. Okay. Professional goal, you and I have a million, give me one. A big goal that we have been focusing on is our percent enrollment compared to March because I've been really disappointed in how few kids that we have been able to help. And so we lost 
about a quarter is too low and a third is too high. So between that, whatever decimal that is um, of students. And there's a lot that are just like paused that we like haven't been able to help because they don't have internet. Like we have a couple families that are like legitimately driving to the centers and like parking at the closed centers to use our center's Wi-Fi so that they can log in. And it just like breaks my heart just thinking about how many kids are just going to be lost. If you've read Ready Player One, they talk about the lost generation and like that's what's happening now. And it like freaks me out. And so I just really want to get back to, I'd be happy with 90% of our enrollment compared to March, because that means that we're helping hundreds more kids than we are right now. How about you, Libby? I'm going to take this one outside of the Mathnasium realm. If you've been with Mathnasium for a while, or if you're kind of like from the Houston, Texas area, there's this guy who used to be a franchisee named Ravi Shaw. Do you know Ravi? Does that sound familiar? It definitely sounds familiar. Keep going with your story. Okay. So Ravi, he sold his locations to um, KV. So KV has them now. But he became a master franchiser. And so, like, that's my new intrigue, is what it would take to become a master franchiser one day. For anyone who doesn't know, a master franchiser is kind of like the middleman between being a franchisee and being, like, the corporate home office of a franchise. So they help do the sub-licensing out of franchise agreements to people. And so I think that's really interesting. So I've been picking Ravi's brain a lot and listening to what he's investigating and what he's looking to become an investor in. Because that's, that's where I feel like I'd head one day if I were to ever max out my franchise portfolio and want to do like another project. I don't think I'd be a franchisee again, but I think I'd be a master franchiser. So I'm doing a lot of the preliminary research just so that way I can kind of prime my brain and like know what to look for in opportunities and know what kind of smart questions to ask if I were to ever go that direction. Nice. That's very cool. Okay, this has been a long episode, so that's it for episode 11. Made your resolutions, and then depending on whether or not I edit out our rant, also also rants from us on smart goals and other things. Just Libby and Nikki stuff. Be sure to join the conversation on our Facebook page. It's Order of Ops Podcast. My turn this time. PEMDAS. Podcast every Monday. Download and subscribe. Oh, oh so good. Bye. Bye. <laughs>